at the center of the universe. At the border between the light and the dark stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. everybody, and welcome to episode six and a half of Legends of Grayskull, the <laughs> fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and the mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Primus, Etheria, Golden Books, Ladybird Books, UK Annuals, Filmation, Mike Young Productions, mini-comics, full-size comics, anything and everything you can think of that has that Mattel logo at the bottom. I'm Matthew Dooch, that's Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? I'm sick, <laughs> but I'm here. I'm happy to be here still. So, yeah. but I am going to be the we're we're the drinking dudes today. I got my bottle of water. You got your. I'm guessing that's coffee or something. So there you go. Don't worry. Don't worry about <laughs> what's in the cup. The less you ask, the unless better. you're holding out on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So anyway, we're we're gonna get down to business with some uh, with some good master stuff again. We are. It has been one heck of a week, and I'm ready to just forget all the, our real-world problems. Yeah. Let's talk about attorney's problems. That's right. And <laughs> those who stop them. Um, so, Sean, you you take it away. This one's yours. All right. Well, um, for our half episode this week, we're going to be having a little discussion on a certain multiverse book. So, this week... It was my turn to pick a, a uh, episode, and unlike me, I didn't want to go 2000X. I wanted to have a tie into the events in the comics, so we went with The Search from Filmation. And I'm going to flat out admit the name for this one did nothing for me because I was looking for Starseed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Matthew heard me the other day, and I'm like, I'm like, there's a Starseed episode. What the heck's the name of the Starseed episode? Yeah. And then it's like, the search, you know, it is not the the greatest title known to man. I, I definitely can say that that title did not grab me. But the everything else about this one is yet another stepping stone in me appreciating filmation more than I used to for the last twenty years. I'm getting through to him, guys. So there we go. I'm getting through to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't need to be converted because I grew up on it, but there's a part of me where I discount it. There's a difference. Yeah, it's, so it's it's tough. And you know, it I think for a lot of people because they're just going off childhood memories and they're not actually going back to it. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it too. Um and Yeah and the the repetitiveness I think is part for me. Like I want to see He Man punching something other than the camera or punching something other than robots, some of that kind of stuff. And it's like the stock animation. 
it can be discounted. But in this one, you're going to see stock animation that's actually working because yeah. it serves the purpose of the story. And it doesn't feel out of place like sometimes it, it does in some of the later episodes. So. I think the biggest thing is do not binge watch Filmation. Because when you, I agree with when you sit there and binge watch it, that's when you notice everything that's good. Like, oh, I just saw that two episodes ago. I saw that here, you know. Uh, so I think that's one of the biggest parts there is... It's don't binge watch it, because even when I first got the DVD sets, I would sit down and watch a ton yeah. of episodes. Even if I found myself getting burned out, I'm like, oh my god, it's just, you know, it's this, this again, you know. Whereas, like, Mike Young Productions, they don't have, they don't have as many episodes, so even if you binge watch that, it's it's over pretty quick. But yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a combination of both of that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, honestly, like it, that's where Mike Young for me has a little bit of the advantage over Filmation. Their animation wasn't stock. There were little snippets here and there where they would repeat it. I mean, the transformation sequence, maybe like a look. Like there's always that moment where He-Man looks at Cringer when he's about to turn him into Battle Cat, yeah. and they'll use that even in fight scenes and stuff like that. But for the most part, most of it feels organic like it, this is especially for this episode usually so but uh let's see from what i remember uh this episode was written by david wise yeah that's what i was just looking i forgot to pull out my my filmation uh, guide beforehand that's what I'm <laughs> flipping here trying to see if i can find it so um just just from my perspective uh on the original series the filmation series I feel like David Wise and Larry Dottilio were some of your MVPs for the writing. And this episode definitely proves that because it brings a lot of coolness to the mythos of not only the masters, but Eternia itself. So, and again, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. (laughs) No, it was a, it's a fun episode. It's uh, another Zodak episode. Um, and he's really at his his hole here. That's the one thing about this book is I wish it had come with an index. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I can't even remember if this was a season one or a season two episode. I want to say season two. But I'm not sure about that. I know, I'm holding up the whole show here. <laughs> There's only so much that I could like hold the show up, and then eventually I'm just gonna be like, "Well, here's what happens." Well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it's like stall, stall. I don't. We'll I go. We'll right go. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, this is the point. So I guess it is a season one. There's also lots of them that starts with the. I'm finding. Yeah, and, and that's. Uh, like I said, the the title of this one. That's why I I've never even gone back to it, except it, for just the other day. You know, like it's you know, not a compelling say, title. <laughs> I will say that when when I first uh, watched this one, I was not overly impressed. It's not one I saw as a kid, obviously. Um, and and I, I I remember I watched it. I was like, okay, and I I guess I didn't really get it. I don't know. I first watch it when I was binge watching a bunch of them. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Oh, there it is. Ha ha! 
Right, oh, I here we go. Say, I, I don't know where it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those I, I didn't really care for the first time I viewed it. Um, it was when I was binge watching, so I don't know if that had a part of it. Um, and there's a couple things in here that I don't care for. Uh, but especially watching it uh, yesterday and revisiting it uh, here and there, it's it's grown on me. It's got a really good story premise. So uh, this was uh, season one. Uh, it's written by David Weiss. It was directed by Steve Clark. Uh, and it, the UK original air date was January 10th of 1985. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, it starts off right off the bat, it's, it's in Castle Grayskull, Zodak and the Sorceress are talking, and Zodak's just, just letting the Sorceress know that, that, you know, there's this cataclysmic event, there's a star seed uh, at the center of Eternia, it's got uh, unlimited power, uh, but it's also, it's also got a dark side to it that people who use it will, su- will succumb to. Um, and that Skeletor's on his way to get it, so. Yeah. Pretty bad. Um, I gotta say, I, I love the Zodak voice in, in Filmation. There's just, and I'm not sure who does it, maybe you, maybe you know who did his voice, but. I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's Lou Scheimer, because it sounds like every Lou Scheimer voice on the series to me. Like, didn't he do, uh, he did did uh light hope and stuff too right. and it sounds there's like he's the he-man equivalent of how light hope would be for she-ra you know yeah. that same tone and everything but there's even just more of a there's like a way he like keeps his voice neutral like while doing yeah. it but he still imparts like there's a dread or it's it's really weird to explain but go listen to this episode or uh you know quest for he-man you know, one of the Zodak episodes, Zodak, he's got this really cool Zodak voice where his voice is staying neutral, but he's still managing to impart, like, this is great danger. But it, I don't know. It's it's really weird listening to it. It's hard to explain. Yeah, but, yeah. But I love that Zodak voice. Um, <laughs> and seriously, the dialogue in this is amazing. I was blown away that I didn't remember how great it was. Um, you know, this whole this a sorcerous Zodak scene and then the Adam Tila scene we get where they're, you know, playing around with each other and, you know, goading each other. They're they're investigating tremors that yeah. have been reported, that which ties into what Skeletor is doing because he's digging to the heart of Eternia. Um But yeah, it's 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 great dialogue. You everyone's really really in character, which we stress a lot. It's funny, I think you even mentioned when you're like after you watch the search you're like, we keep kind of doing the same episodes over and over again. And it's like, well, that's because we're doing the best of Filmation. These are the characters, when they're written right, when the stories are good and meaty and, you know, and mm-hmm. you feel like the state of the universe is, is in danger. So, Especially in this one, because the the fallout of, depending what happens here, of who gets the star seed. There's no guarantee that the person that gets the star seed is actually going to use it well, even if they're the good guy. And that's part of what I really love about this. It's like this is one of those moments in in any of the He-Man stories where there's this maybe something bad could happen here, even if the good guy wins. You know, right. it's not as a kid. There's that certain like nightmarish thing of 
I don't want to see my hero turn bad. You know, this is, right. you know, I didn't sign up for this, you know? Yeah. It's, it's though, like I said, the older you get, the, the more, uh, the more you really think about the ramifications of this story. Yeah. Um, and I will read the quote from Zodak here in the beginning here. Cause I love that. There is only one person on this planet who may prevent this catastrophe. The one with the powers of He-Man, the man called Adam. Um, mm-hmm. And that would have blown my mind as a kid. Like, like he knows who He-Man is. Like, that was always a big deal. Like, if someone else, uh, mm-hmm. you know, same with Queen Marlena in the Rainbow Warrior, where she hints that she knows. Um, Which is a great moment. That's definitely one of my favorite filmation moments. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and honestly, so is this one. He's... Cause, and the way Zodag does it, he's just like the man called Adam. Like, like he's just, he's like all knowing. And it, it's it's really played up. Um, this scene's good. It's really played up better in two, when uh, Mike Young Productions did it. Yeah. Um, in Awaken the Serpent, that was also a great moment when Zodag just like, here we need He Man. I I love like, that moment. <laughs> I absolutely love that moment. <laughs> yeah, and that one that one's better just for the fact that Adam is there and he's like, uh, wait, what? Um, yeah. Uh, well, the, the the best part about that whole sequence for me is I just love that Zodak is so matter of fact in that movie. He goes, He Man is needed, and he holds right. out the sword. And Adam yeah. takes it. You know, and yeah. and then there's Zodak's just blue yeah, blank like, face, and then I like dude. that he's about to do it. And he's like, "Could you at least turn around?" Yeah. And Zodak's there, blank face, and Adam's like, "Fine." Right. And then he does it right in front of him, and I'm like, "Ah, that's awesome! I love it." And that, that's basically <laughs> this moment in the filmation series yeah. without Adam actually there, knowing that he knows. But it, yeah, it's just. It's really neat, and it shows you who Zodak is, that he's this all-knowing guy. Um, and he's talking here about how he can't interfere and everything, which is a load of hooey, as we'll find out later. Uh-huh. Um, hey, here's one question for you, though. Yeah. And I, I was thinking of this the other night watching it. When Zodak says the power of He-Man, there was a part of me going, shouldn't he say the power of Skull?" And then the other part of me goes, well, maybe him saying the power of He-Man does have that implication of before Adam, there might have been someone else who had to be He-Man, like the legacy of that hero on Eternia or whatever. Um, so it's one of those things where I didn't know what your take on that was because I know you like that line. So thanks yeah. for reminding me about thinking of that. I think but. it was just – well, it's, it's the one with the powers of He-Man. So I'm yeah. thinking he's meaning like – the super strength, the, you know, the endurance, the, like, I think you're just saying, like, like you know, oh, we need the powers of Superman, we need X-ray vision, we need freeze breath, or okay. whatever. Okay, all right, gotcha. Whatever, uh, there's too long of a list, I can't list them all here. Sure, but, sure. Uh, and whatever DC's added in the past five minutes, we've probably gotten, like, three powers <laughs> since we started recording. At least. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. I know you're a Superman fan. I had to. I had he just to dropped take, in one more just now. You don't I had even to know. take a little jab at it there. That's <laughs> all right. That's all but right. I, mean, I know was, he's overpowered. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but that's all I thought he meant is just the powers of He Man. His, you know, and he, and even his goodness, his power of good. Just the different, the different abilities of He Man is what is needed. Is gotcha. what I took it as. Um. So, so then you got that nice scene with Adam and Tila, and anybody who says that all Tila does is get on Adam, um, 
watch this scene because this is just nice, playful banter. You know, Adam wants to head back to the palace. Uh, yeah. She wants to keep him going, so she, like, goads him and eggs him into a race, you know, to the next ridge. They're on sky mm-hmm. sleds, and uh, Orko and Cringer are trying to keep up uh, for some reason, other than to have them in the story. <laughs> Basically, um, yeah. And then... Uh, I- you're probably right. going to say the same thing I'm about to, so go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just liked how he races off in front of her yeah. in this whole sequence, and there's actually a moment between the viewer and Adam where Adam's like, man, playing the role of a carefree prince is really hard sometimes, or something along those lines. I, I don't remember the actual lines, but I, I, I dug that, where it's like his, you know, like, I'm just... I'm putting on this persona. This isn't really what I yeah. want to do. I have to do it. You know? Yeah, because he'd gone, he'd pushed the sky sled so fast that he actually lost control yes. and fell yeah. off. And and then, yeah, he, he mentions that, that trying to keep up this act of being the fun-loving prince is harder than it seems. Or, mm-hmm. That's not an exact quote, but it is the fun-loving prince is an act. He explicitly states it. Yes. So here again... I, I know all our viewers are sick of hearing me saying it, but... Um, <laughs> say it again. Say it again. Come on. It's an act. <laughs> it is Go an listen act. to Adam. Go watch the search. Listen to Adam. It is an act. That's all it is. Um, and, and you know what was nice, actually? Was seeing what? him fall from the sky sled and just... Uh, just stick the landing and just take the landing. Because all too often, whenever Adam's in the slightest amount of peril... Uh, that's where He-Man would come in, you know? Yeah. So I like that David just let Adam fall and just recover. Like, he's still a competent warrior. He's strong enough to take a fall like that, even as Adam. Like, you don't need to bring He-Man in for every little thing. Yeah. You don't need to, as Sean likes to say, you don't need to bring him in because there's a cake burning in the kitchen. there's moments on this show feels that way but yes and it also shows he's at least trained that's the other thing is teal and man at arms usually are the ones trying to get him to go through weapons training and so it's like you know he is capable of doing some stuff without needing to resort to him i mean secret of the sword even proved that right he didn't even resort to turning into him until later into the thing and he was taking care of horde soldiers all on his own you know, and I love that transformation to that whole scene there with the vi- in the village of Thaymor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We'll yeah, that. but but it was still cool. It's like Adam, and then there's Bo, and it's like, hey, Adam's taking care of business for right. once. That's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, and he got the opportunity to because he didn't even have to worry about a secret identity over there because he's like, exactly, I'm, exactly. I'm free for the moment, so I can mm-hmm. just I can just do it. Um, oh, here's the exact quote, Duh. <laughs> Read your book, Matt. Uh, acting like a fun-loving prince sure is hard work. So, um, and it does say over here that Lou Scheimer is the voice of Zodak. So, good ear. Woo! Uh, I win, Sean. I don't know what I win, but I win. You win. You win it all. You win the star seed. Here you go. I win being sick. <laughs> I, I win my runny nose. Excuse me. Um. So yeah, so there's a night, and that's when the sorceress summons him. So uh, then she explains that, oh, she didn't even summon him. She actually went there. That was weird, too, that she actually took the time to travel as Zor and go get him. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, This moment, I had a weird 
thing about I don't know yeah. if you do or not. Well, I was just so. about to say, yeah. I, go ahead. My, the weird thing for me, the, the first off, the the telepathy not being a thing because I, I, that made more sense to me that she would be at Grayskull. Right. So it, you know, it's like Zodak's already, there. You they know? already were. Yeah, yeah. They were at Grayskull already. And so, like, there's an element of why would you do that? And then on top of that, there there's a excuse that Adam does of, well, how how am I going to go back there if you know <laughs> Tila's going to see me leave? And she tells him how to pilot the sky sled in order to let Tila know that she, he's going back to the palace. And I'm like, how would she know that? And on top of that, why would she know that? That's just it was such a weird little like it's it's. It's a plot contrivance, I guess, is the term where it's like she just gives them that and it's like, hey, that's a great idea. But there's a part of me going, she's the sorceress. She's not man at arms. How would she know how to do that? But that's just me thinking it through too much, I guess. I think so. Uh, Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know me. Every opinion is bad. But the the dialogue, the way I took it was she just like she just said, do it. Not necessarily that she taught him how to do it. Like he knew how to do it. Um. But I kind of actually that that little bit of dialogue I kind of liked because it showed like it kind of goes with this the the being the fun loving prince sure is hard work like there's times where he's sitting there and he's just like I'm out of excuses what can I what kind of excuse yeah. can I make and then she's like well why don't you just send your sky so back to pals and she'll think you went there you mm-hmm. know he's like oh yeah that's good I'll set the autopilot you know like mm-hmm. I, I kind of dug that that like he's he's at it like we said in an earlier episode like. He sits in bed at night, like, making up yeah. excuses, and he's like, well, I didn't have time to last night. Damn it, what am I going to do? Um, I already said fishing. Right. Now what am I going to say? Um, that made it Can't a little that more. for two weeks. And it went, I think, and that's what it was. It was going along with that. I think David really wanted to take this opportunity to, to remind everybody that, uh, that this was an act that it's actually something he's working at rather than just how he is. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought was the whole sequence is odd with, so Sorceress and Zodak are at Grayskull. Zor flies to get Adam. They go back to Grayskull. And then Adam sets out to find where the star seed is. When Adam and Tila are already in the area that they're supposed to be in because they're investigating the tremors that are set off by Skeletor's mm-hmm. drilling machine. So it's yeah. like, we have this eminent uh, catastrophe, and we're wasting time going, huh, 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 you know? Yeah. Like, back yeah. and forth. Um, that That's the part that, I'm, that I felt was a little contrived. I mean, it, it's wasting a lot of time, um, unless that's mm-hmm. all part of Zodak's plan, too. I don't know, maybe... I think the only reason, now that I think about it, the only reason that they had to do that was that finally was the moment where us as viewers, along with He-Man, get to see the mythology of what the Star Seed's all about. Because she does use the mirror to show yeah. this is the deal, and she shows them the galaxy. And that is where we get the foundation. I, I don't know if they did it because of this. But in the live action movie, and we use it even as a, like an homage here on our show with at the center of the universe between yeah. the border of the light and the dark. It's like this is the moment in the show where you get that at the center yeah. of the universe, the star seed exploded. It was part of the Big Bang. 
and that created everything. Yeah. And the star seed is now located at the center of Eternia, which then creates the idea that now Eternia is the center of the universe. And I'm like, what well, the minute they went there on this episode, my jaw hit the floor and I'm like, that's where it came from. Yes. And if it's not from there, that's just the craziest amount of serendipity well, between one writer writing it one way and another writing it, writer writing it the other way, but it all worked out. That was crazy. No, it was it was pretty pretty established that I, I know it was in the Filmation series Bible that Eternia was at the center of the universe. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the 87 movie expanded upon that. I don't know how far back it goes. That's my only thing. Um, it doesn't go back that far because I know on some of the stuff pre-filmation, yeah. like there's that big LP record. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, the narrator actually says that Attorney is somewhere in the farthest depths of the universe. So it's like this pocket corner that's hidden that nobody remembers anymore is Eternia. So that's kind of where it's like, okay, so now we established here's the center of the universe in this 87. Then we have the same thing in the movie and all. Like I said, I I can guarantee it was always in the filmation Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't know what the DC stuff, probably not the pre filmation, like the Alcala stuff and all that. Um, I doubt highly there. Yeah. But I mean, really, even even saying it's in the farthest depths of the universe doesn't contradict that it could be at the center of the universe, because those would be, you know, if we're at the edge, you know, farthest could be. Yeah, that's true. It's a little more unspecific. It doesn't contradict, but it also doesn't uh, corroborate. So I I guess the way I look at it in that wording is to me, that means it's off in some corner far. It's like what, what Luke Skywalker says. If you're looking at a center of the universe, you're on the planet farthest from, and it's kind of that feeling of attorney would be that versus the center of the universe. But I I just like that that's there because it it does, there's, there's like a weight to that now. And there's like an establishment now in where this is all being taken place. Right. No, I I like it. I like that they actually went into the mythology, like you said, with with the window of spirits. They show, you know, how how the universe was formed, the star seed, and they showed. Uh, they even showed the chamber where it's in now. Which this yeah. is where I think Mike Young got their inspiration for the Orb of Power chamber in in that yeah. series because it's very I, crystalline I so and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which always seemed yeah. out of place in that gray skull, but you know here it really works. I like it being like you get to center returnia and it's just this crystalline chamber, so different from what you've dug through to get there. Um, yeah, it's a really nice visual. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so then, so then, oh, I also like, uh, I just like seeing things you don't normally see. There's a really neat shot while they're talking to a sorceress, and it was earlier when it was just Zodak 2, where it's like a shot from the sorceress's viewpoint. Like, you can see, like, down the stairs of her throne and, like, back, mm-hmm. and you see that long... It's, it's nothing, really, but the background shows, like, this long tunnel and then, like, stairs going up. Um, but I just like seeing that kind of... Because you don't see a whole lot of different interiors in Castle Grayskull. So just True. seeing like kind of the hallway that they would come down to get to the throne room and everything like that was a neat perspective because normally you always get that shot of behind the heroes looking up at the sorceress. So yeah, 
Yeah. It was nice to see that unique, uh, it's probably not unique just to this, but just a unique thing. Just like in Daymar, when we saw that other room that the Sorceress was in, it's like it's always cool just to see a little more in Castle Grayskull. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then He-Man, Orko, and Battlecat, they all uh, head off to find Skeletor. Um, I will say, I, I think... I think this is one episode that could have benefited from not having Orko in it. Um, I, and I think there could have been a better way to write it. Uh, he just, he kind of annoys me as he, uh, in this episode, which usually he doesn't this much. But and I think that's when I first saw it. I think that's what detracted me from it was the Orko-ness of it. It's really not needed in this story. Except for the uh, it's like part. a, well, yeah, and that's, that's the, that's what I was just going to say is it, when we talked about it, uh, privately, I brought up to you, it reminds me of Temple of Doom mm-hmm. because, you know, Orko is your short round character and short round is every kid who's like rooting for Indiana Jones. Yeah. That's your avatar in that movie. And in the case of this episode in particular, Orko is every kid sitting there in front of their TV, seeing He-Man getting put to the test. And by the end of this, you're seeing him in a situation where even he's tempted. Right. That's scary. You know, it's like, oh, you know, like you're not supposed to, you're supposed to just, yeah, okay, we're good off, off and running. No, it's now, you know, what all of that stuff at the end, it, it's, yeah. it's a nice moment for him to be that person there. So, yeah, but yeah, he has his moments in this. I agree though. He, he, he has like some unfunny comedic moments that, that for me, I was like, it, like when he hits into the tree and he's, he flattens when yeah. they're doing the race and all that. And it's like. <laughs> All right, okay, you know, but he didn't annoy me in this nearly as much, apparently. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's, well, it's a, <laughs> and it's one specific animation, and I don't know why it bugs me, but it's that one where Orko, like, closes his eyes and claps like he's... Oh! That animation, every time I see it, it just... Yeah, he, like, <laughs> he, like closes his eyes, like, uh, he's, like, uh-huh. he's, like, clapping for, like... I don't know, he just looks, like, possessed. I don't know, there's something about that animation that's always... <laughs> bugged me and they use it twice in this episode pretty i think pretty close pretty close to each other it's when he busts out of the rocks and then at the end there like it's i don't know that yeah. that animation bugs me there's <laughs> you got your weird things about music videos I, i've got there's something about that piece of animation that just every time i see it I'm like, it's too much it's too like <laughs> we're in the middle of a battle here and orko just like like a kid at the circus like oh clowns yeah. elephants <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, i i think it's funny on the level of i finally found what the chink in the armor is in salvation for you is this whereas for me it's like glowing yeah. at anything oh but no orko clapping just gives you the like what the crap is happening yeah, just, here i love it i love it we finally found yours oh there, there's more <laughs> just most of the time we won't cover those episodes you know <laughs> Oh man! I, I like I said. I went. Where's the landmine? I'm just gonna jump on it for that Daymar the Demon one. With how I had to talk about my yeah. fear on that thing. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think so. this is more equivalent to your flying fish than your your Bonnie time. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna. Yeah. 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 And and that thing. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to talk. About that. <laughs> no. Nobody likes that thing. No. <laughs> I I love it more and more every Colin. day. The other day, Cullen posted something in the group, and he goes, that reminds me of that flying fish. Hey, Sean. And I'm like, oh, I hate that thing. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> I spit venom when I think of that thing. It just pisses me oh, off every time. It's great. Ugh. Oh, 
anyway, so so He Man, <laughs> yeah, He Man and them, they all catch up with Skeletor. Uh, there's some nice Merman Beast Man dialogue in this too. David Weiss really knows how to write these characters where they're arguing over who's going to be second in command when when yep. Skeletor takes over. Um, yeah, it's just some fun dialogue. You really feel like they're characters again instead of just you know goon number one. Like they can become quite a bit in the show. It's it's true, and and I think part of the appeal of this episode is the character selection for me too. Like. Yeah. It's so eight back card, uh, he man, you know, I mean, you have the only people that you're missing really are Stratos and Teal. No, Teal is in it. Stratos and man at arms. And that's it. You have, you're almost all of them are the traditional. (laughs) These are your first wave he man guys. And it really, it really, there was something charming to just have merman and beastman be the only people along for the ride with skeletor mm-hmm. on this going like this is this is the mighty triumvirate this is how it should be for an episode or two right. i like that um yeah and that's why and obviously season one episode but it's, it's a little further along in season one like the back half um but yeah so they they catch up with um skeletor i love once again here skeletor's actually got a decent plan he's uh, you know, he's digging through um, to, to the heart of Eternia, but he's ready. He's got, like, these booby traps set up, and he mm-hmm. man triggers an alarm he's set up, and basically he, he's got he's got two two explosives that he sets off, one in front of He-Man and one behind He-Man, and traps him in, uh, you know, in what I think he says miles of rock or something like that. Yeah. Like, like, it's a solid plan. He didn't even allow He-Man to get back out of the... Like, even stop him from following him. He's like, you're not following me, and you're not getting out. You're like... Yeah. And he just keeps going. He's like, whatever. Um, and I like that even the, the Beastman and Merman are like, well, how are we getting out of here if we... Yeah. You know, and I like that they aren't thinking through the plan, and Skeletor's like, when I get the Star Seed, who gives a crap? Right. Like, we got this covered once I get the powers. Yeah, he says something about I'll be able to cover the universe or cross the cosmos in an instant yeah. or something. Like... Yeah, it's like that's this is nothing. This is this is a one way trip because even he's pushing the drilling machine uh, to its max, and uh, Beastman and Merman are worried about it blunting the blade and they'll be stuck. Yep. But he's just he, he he's taking a one way trip to the center of Eternia, and it's all or mm-hmm. nothing. Like he's all in, and it's nice seeing Beastman and Merman competent enough to even question this plan. Like that's. <laughs> Really That's how it should be. It I mean, I, I I never saw Beastman as being a brain, Mm-mm. but I like that Merman. Even in the mini comics, Merman's a little. He's got his own plans going on. That it's the whole. I'm biding my time with Skeletor because I'm trying to get this other thing done, and that will be my benefit. So the idea that you know he's along for the ride, and then they argue, like you said, about who's going to be number two, right. you know, and all that stuff, and. And uh, the one thing I got to give credit to the designers and the animators, though, and and this is just one of those little things that amuses me every time, is I love how when Skeletor builds something, there has to be skulls on something, uh, one way or the other. And in this case, the drill looks like a typical, this is yeah. a big mining drill. But then I love that the levers have the skulls on them yeah. because you can tell that's Skeletor's. <laughs> I got to say uh, – and and every cartoon does this at some point, but do drilling machines bother you? Are they like the logistics? Yeah, you mean, like, or... like actually, like it's always but even as a kid, like uh, like I don't know if you you watched Ninja Turtles, didn't you? Or is that mm-hmm. yeah? 
Yeah. Like, you know how Shredder had, had the, I can't remember, but he had the drillers to reach down to Technodrome and everything. Mm-hmm. And like this yeah. here. And like, yeah, just the logistics of it. Always watching, I'm like, well, this looks like it shouldn't. I don't know. There's something about it that just watching it drill through and like, like even here, like the top of their vehicles open and it's got like a window screen, but even still, it's like, well, no, it shouldn't be more like all four sides of you than like, yes, I agree with that because you would figure there'd be stuff falling in there all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, like debris and stuff. Somehow they're drilling and they're leaving like a six foot ceiling above themselves. Whereas, (laughs) I don't know. It's like ever, and even since I was a kid, like the drilling machines on turtles, they always bother me, even though those were fully enclosed. But uh-huh. so I've never gotten the logistics of like a self-propelled drilling machine. Like I don't know if they actually exist. Maybe they do, and I sound like a complete idiot. But all all the big drilling equipment I see is more like you know, uh, you know, oil wells and stuff where they're actually like you know set up you know tripod or whatever. They have like a silo and then they drill down in. You know, yeah. I, I just self-propelled drilling machines have always bothered me in animation <laughs> as a kid. And I don't know why. It, I I actually would love to see the like legit version of this episode instead of it just being here's here's a twenty minute filmation cartoon where the little bits keep falling in on the yeah. uh, on uh, Skeletor Merman and, and Beastman. You just hear Skeletor, ow, ow, why did you not build this better? You know, and Beastman, we didn't have time. Right. You know, or what? We just threw a drill on top of this sled that we had. Yeah, basically, it's a drill toboggan, you know, <laughs> or something. I, I, I thought the same thing with the, it's like, we're using a convertible, you know? Yeah. It's like, what the crap would you need that for? You should just have it be like the attack track with a drill on the front, yeah. you know, the the formation attack track where it's all closed in. They're in an enclosed space just sitting there or standing there. The drill just keeps going forward. You're good to go. Yeah. But in this case, yeah, I, I I thought the same thing, but I'm like, yeah, out of all the stuff going on here, I'm not going to nitpick the, it, the crap out of that. And it part, is a but. nitpick. The only reason I bring it up is because, honestly, ever since I was a kid, drilling machines have always bothered me in cartoons. I, I don't I, – I think that's mainly it is, like, even as a kid, I'm like, well, the hole shouldn't be that big. It should only be – and it really should only be the size of the drill, like – because here again, like the drill's this big, and then the vehicle behind it is this big. That vehicle shouldn't yeah. even be getting through because the drill exactly. has. I, I know. I'm putting logic in well, it. The only reason I no. bring it up, like I said, is because even as a kid, this kind of stuff bothered me. <laughs> I was a weird you kid. You got to figure. No, no. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of it when I was a kid because I would have seen enough cartoons doing that that I would have just accepted it based on I've seen it how many other times and it's never been a yeah. it's never been a problem. But the difference is looking at it now as a 40 something man, it's like that shouldn't work. And the right. fact that they're worried about the tip being blunted should not be even remotely on your list of worries <laughs> right now, because yeah. the fastness that they're they're not going ridiculously fast, but they're going fast enough that anything they're doing could fall in at a moment's notice. Yeah. Plus they even use the explosives to blow up the stuff around He-Man yeah. for that booby trap. You mean to tell me that didn't lead to a cave-in? Right. Because that's – it's like no it's well-placed, but there's no supports. Yeah. There's no, they're not building anything behind them to keep this from falling in after they drill through it. Right. That's – like when you're mining, there are supports, right. you know, and – 
So yeah, there's a whole bunch of flawed logic just to get to well, the star seed here, but we're just gonna yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that, that's what makes it interesting. This is the last thing I'll say about it because we are. I I know we're nitpicking. I I know we are, but you know what? I, I'm doing it anyways. Is is <laughs> the fact that they put that line in there about the well? What do we do if the tip gets too blunt? It's like okay, so we're worried about that real world physics problem, but all yeah. the rest of this is fine. Like yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, so so Skeletor <laughs> keeps taking off. Uh, uh, he Man and and Battle Cat, you know, they're saying how long it'll take to get through there. Um, and I like that too. Yeah, well, yeah, I like it. I do. I I and Orko tries. He Man has Orko try to to do a spell to hopefully move faster. <laughs> and yep. And Orko does a spell, and like one rock moves out. So, um, but then he, he, I like the line He-Man says there though. Yeah, I forget what it was. Uh, he says that if, if we move at that rate, we're going to be out of here in five years. Yeah. And I like that. It, it's, it's one of those, it, it reminds me of my dad, you know, when my dad didn't have patience to teach me how to do something, yeah. it usually was, why don't you go see what your mom's doing? <laughs> I'll handle this basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, because it's because uh, he's that's right. He said it'll take him hours to punch through. Orko does that, and then he goes, "Oh yeah, that'll take us years at that rate." Yeah, um, yeah. And so then He Man and Belka get to it, and it does actually take them a little bit. That's that's what uh-huh. I liked. Uh, here again, it's allowing Skeletor to get farther and farther ahead, um, and it's done well here. Here again, it's it's good pacing, um, and you don't and you buy that Skeletor is able to keep this lead on He Man. Um, good writing. Um, and then we go back to, to, to Skeletor and everybody and, and they did run into a problem where uh, the blade got, like they said earlier, the blade got blunt enough to where there's this one rock that it can't get through and they're pretty much yep. stuck. Um, and then we cut back to, to He-Man and, and I like how they did it because He-Man really didn't end up punching through it. They weakened it enough at the base where he was able to to do a, a mighty foot slam and the rocks kind of like settle down and leave them a yeah. gap at the top. So that mm-hmm. that was neat too. So they really didn't contradict themselves earlier that, you know, it would take them hours to punch their way through it. Um, yeah. And, they just and it, a it's a better way. It, yeah. And, and, I mean, part of the thing, like on filmation, He-Man can almost be like Superman, where every episode, depending on the what is needed by the plot, he fills that void. And in this one, I, I like that it was so much. It's like the the um, Curse of the Spellstone, and that's like you know, yeah. you and I said it, and we're, we're I'm saying it again. We're we're going to these episodes, and it's not on purpose. It's more by accident yeah. that we're having these moments. But like you know, he wouldn't punch through the floor in that one when they when they were caught in the caverns and all that stuff because it would take forever for him to punch his way out of there. Right. And I like that that same thing happened here. You know, I, I just I, I I like it when you give the heroes a limit, right? You know, and to. and otherwise it's too easy, right? You know, right? You got to give them their limits. And and I like not everything being physical. I know some people hate that, but I like that some things have to be solved by brains. That's one of the things I've always liked about He Man, is he mm-hmm. knows when to he knows when to fight, and he knows when there's a better way or when he needs to find a better way. So, um, and so then then they catch up to Skeletor, and 
Uh, Skeletor takes Orko hostage. Uh, and this is basically the whole reason Orko's in the episode, is this point here. That's the only reason we've kept him around this long. Um, he's the hostage, and so He-Man has to finish clearing the way to Skelet- for Skeletor, or else he's going to, you know, kill Orko, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that He-Man's, you know, he can't get Orko out right away, and so he knows he has to play along right now. And so he's leading Skeletor to the star seat. He's getting him the rest of the way there. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't feel contrived, really, to me. I didn't. I didn't question it too much. You know, it's it just it fits in nicely. No, it does, and it it it's definitely it goes a long way to show the humanity of the character that way because mm-hmm. you know it, it, I think. There are people out there that would have been like, all they do is run up and I punch Skeletor so hard his jaw would fall off right. or something. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes you got to have finesse when you deal with a situation like that. So yep. I, I enjoyed that. But there is something that it, it's like your heart kind of sinks a little watching that going like, but he's helping him now. You know, it's yeah. like he can't help it, but he's helping him. Yeah. Right now. And so I like I like that it sets up the viewer to just kind of go, oh, this is off balance, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and even Beastman's all cocky with him. He's calling him slave and everything. Yeah, he's like, yeah, come on, was... move these rocks. You know. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like I, I wanted to, I wanted to see the look on He-Man's face doing the whole. I'm about to break my foot up in your right. ass. <laughs> that, that old thing, right. like, slave. Just, yeah. wait till, just wait till Orko's out of that bubble. You know, that's yeah. No, it was it, it was nice seeing that. Like I said, these characters are well well written. It was good seeing the villains how they. The, they instantly go from "Oh no, it's He Man" to "Oh yeah, let's you know yeah. go, go move that for us," and they're just exactly sitting in the back of the yeah. cruiser, just <laughs> let's go, you know. Yeah. So that it's it's these really nice moments throughout here, and then they finally get to the crystal chamber there, where the star seat is somewhere, and, and those those crystal demons that show up to oppose them, those uh, are really neat designs, and those are actually. Uh, Originally appeared in an episode of Black Star. So. Oh, that was a little, okay. little fil- filmation. Like to reuse some stuff from some of their other shows here and there. Um, the only one of those I ever caught was probably the um, the the dragon from Black mm-hmm. Star on the one episode. I, that was just like, no, that's Black Star's dragon. I know that much, but yeah, he was that's there. Cool. And then that the lion um, from. Uh, Colossor Awakes, you know, the stone lion mm-hmm. that comes to life, that was from Tarzan. Oh, cool. And I believe okay. that design was also used for Claudine in the She-Ra series. I think it was the same design reused again. So. That's the whole every every part of the buffalo mentality, boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, we got that um, thing, let's do it again. <laughs> there was a, oh, uh, from a friend in need, um... The bad guy, I can't remember his name right now, but that was just Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon recolored. Mm-hmm. Oh, Zar- man. Zar- <laughs> Zardane? Sartane? No, Zartane's G.I. Joe. Jarman? Jar- Jarvan? Something like that. 
Sean knows I can't let something go in my mind when I can't remember. No, I'm I'm letting you have it. I'm just here. I'm good. I think it was like, think it was like Jarvin or Jarman or something like that. I, I want to say the J is probably more the way I remember it. I can't think of the name either. But yeah. the more you say it, I'm like I vaguely remember what the no, name yeah. was too. It's it's a J. I know it's a J. I had to yeah. I had to work my way to it though. But yeah, no, <laughs> they, all the way. To they uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those exercises, you know, where you you got to yeah. string the stuff along. It's like. Yep. It's like bread, sandwich, tuna sandwich, fish. Oh, yeah, I got to feed the fish, you know. it's sad. <laughs> But anyway, so, yeah, Filmation, Filmation loved reusing their stuff, you know, and that's how they kept all the animation in the U.S. But they look great here. They fit in with the whole chamber and everything. Like, they don't look out of place. Yeah. And they pose a, a pretty significant threat there as they, they incapacitate Skeletor and everyone pretty easily. And mm. then... Uh, and then uh, He-Man kind of gets the upper hand there, and he's he's making Skeletor agree to his demands before he, he saves him. Um, yep. And, and you know He-Man would have saved him either way, but there's just this nice back and forth where He-Man's like, okay, I'm in charge now. You, If I break you out of there, uh, you know, you need to help me by using your force field on these demons. And, mm-hmm. and Skeletor doesn't want to at first, and then they're getting closer, and... He Man gets him to agree to do that, and then he'll he'll leave if He Man saves him, which of course he says right away is a lie. Um, of course, <laughs> but it just it's good character interaction, and it allows Orko to get freed at that point. And Orko goes and finds a Star Seed and does a little switcheroo on it. Which yeah, which reminds me of Lessons too. Actually, the Larry Dettilio 2000 X, he does the switcheroo on him there. But this this was true. I, I, I honestly, when when the moment happens, there was a part of me, and this again, I have to I have to automatically go. It's filmation yeah. in a sense, and, and I hate being that guy. But when you see the switcheroo, there is an element of when Skeletor's touching that, he just. He doesn't get that that's rubber. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's the like fact the that you can, the fact that they well, used a bouncy ball. To yeah. replace the star seed, I was rolling my eyes at. I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Yeah, it, it, to me, it, like if you touch the star seed, it would be the equivalent of if Thanos touched the Infinity Stone right. or something. It would be like this power is surging through you, and instead, it's like here's a bouncy ball. <laughs> and, I, I did, and Skeletor's believing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even really feel. I mean, I could take it or leave it, but I really didn't feel the switcheroo was needed here. I think mm-hmm. it could have been just as good, just He-Man and Skeletor racing towards it and He-Man getting there first. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're going to switch it, why couldn't he have just taken, like, one of the crystals lying around and stuck it there, you know, or something? Um, yeah, the bouncy ball. that uh, The bouncy ball. That was another the moment where ball. I'm like, really? Like, he pulls a bouncy ball out <laughs> and then he... He paints it somehow. Because that was the other thing. He pulled, yeah. he pulled the bouncy ball out, and it's, like, red with, like, an orange-yellow star on it. In the, yep. And it's, like, and so, I don't know. It's, like, if you're going <laughs> to use magic to change that color, why didn't you just take something that was already here? Exactly. That was, that was the Orko gag that fell flat for me. I'm, like, really? You, got, you did that after all this? You did that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but other than that, you know, seeing them seeing them dispose of the crystal demons, they get to the starseed chamber, and, and here's the moment that makes the show. It's one of the top filmation moments where He Man holds the starseed, and 
and he's the he starts feeling the power like you said just by holding it the power starts affecting him mhm and he can, and he was warned about that so was. you know it's it but but in this moment i like that he's looking at skeletor going i could eradicate all the evil yes. and and that it's like that moment for me it was very thanos it's got this like oh crap you know right he like, starts off just saying <laughs> you know you've lost skeletor we've stopped you and then like you can see, you can tell, like he's more talking to Starcy than the skeleton yeah. himself, because you can tell it's like influence in him, and he's like, "Yeah, I could eradicate everything. I could, I could, you know, I could use this to stop you. I could eradicate all evil in the universe. I could rule." He even mm-hmm. he says that I could rule, and Skeletor. He realizes exactly what's happening. He starts egging him on. I like that too. He's the he's the snake in the in Eden in that way, you know, the whole thing. You're not so much different than me and all yeah. that. Oh, I like that. It's too. it's very much like the eighty seven movie, you know, the is the loneliness of good equal to loneliness yes. of evil. It's that same exactly. concept. It's okay, you're good and I'm evil, but what's really the difference between those I mean, they're so far on the opposite end of the spectrum that they almost you know, you make the case that they wrap around and they can meet very easily, mm-hmm. you know, and they can. You get, we've seen it in comics and movies all over the decades where, you know, your ultimate good gets gets too much power or gets, you know, or through some, step tra- over the line. some tragedy. Yeah, something happens that pushes them over the edge. And it's like the, the, the farther you up, the farther you had to fall. So Skelter yeah. goads him into it and... And now we get the sorceress using telepathy, you know, <laughs> trying now we trying to help him out here a little bit. And Orko's over there like, he man, what are you doing? You don't look right, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. like I said, that's your short round moment right there. Yeah. You, you got Orko, who's every child looking at this going, that's not how he man's supposed to be. And he, he's the one that's trying to talk him back off the edge. Right. Uh, I like that. I, I that that for me kind of saved Orko being in the episode because I, I do remember seeing this one as a kid, and there was that sense of if Orko wasn't there, he probably would have done it. Yeah. You know, like Sorceress is just a voice in his head at that point, but the Star Seed is right there and he's holding right. this thing, and it's really manipulating him. And it's it, it, we could have had a whole different filmation series <laughs> after this episode. Yeah. No, it's definitely <laughs> and and I think once again here. Um, and it's a concept that has popped up uh, again and again. Um, Eternity War did it to, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it answers the question we posed it already in our, in our podcast, even though we're barely a dozen episodes in, uh, you know, what, what makes Adam the difference? What makes him worthy of He-Man? And it is, it's that humanity, it's his friends, it's his family, it's, you know, Right here, that's what pulled him back. It's the Sorceress and Orko. They pulled him back from the edge. You know, in Eternity yeah. War, they did the similar thing where he realizes he has to give up the power of He-Man or else they're still going to lose even if he wins. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's getting to the essence of who He-Man is and why Adam is worthy of this power. Yeah, uh, the, the main thing to me, and this is only in the last couple years I've figured this out, is Adam is somebody that doesn't actually crave it. It's he's somebody that sees it as this is a tool for me to use to protect the people I love and to protect the world that I love. He never looks at it as I want to rule. Right. I want to do this. I want to do that. 
he always sees it as, you know, I have to pick up the sword for now. And then once that danger is over, I can put the sword back down and I can be myself again because that's the humanity of He-Man there. It's it's always Adam. It has to go back to him. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you know, the star seed is one of the most ultimate things that he's seen power wise. And at the end, even when you're seeing him in that moment, you're like, this isn't who you are. And I like that's that's a huge moment of like for me sitting there the other night going, I love that this was brought so clearly across in this episode. Absolutely. And so so luckily He-Man's able to throw off the temptation um, and and they just and they at that point, they just take off out of there. They're like, Skeletor, we're done with you. We've got the star seed, you know. (laughs) Yep. You know, whatever. Peace, and they they take yeah. off. Like <laughs> there's something about Skeletor's run in this one that makes it even more cowardly, cowardly yeah. than some of the other ones because it's just like, oh crap! Like maybe he'll change his mind. Oh god, yeah. you know, like he runs out of there. <laughs> yeah. So and and it, and it didn't need a big confrontation at the end here. It didn't need He Man no. and Skeletor. It was the race to the Star Seed, and once that's over, um, they head back to Castle Grayskull to to put the Star Seed away. Uh, they give it to Zodak, who don't know what he he makes it vanish. Uh, yeah. Don't know what he does with it, um, but it's not destroyed. It's here. It can show up again. Uh, and then Zodak does the big reveal that uh, he's the one who told Skeletor where to find it. Yeah, um, jerk. Jerk. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and he's and he and he says he says that you know. Um, that the quest to find the star seed was a test of He-Man's virtue and great powers that, uh, <clears throat> basically saying the same thing He's, you know, Adam, you are so powerful as He-Man. You could do the same thing. You could do whatever you wanted. Um, and so the cosmic enforcers being the neutral party have to test you once in a while to make sure you're still worthy of that power and that we can trust you with it. Yeah. It's it's like uh, it's like the uh, sixty to ninety day evaluation on the job, right. basically, <laughs> from the cosmic enforcers. Like, well, we better do it now. If we wait till April, it's going to be too late, and then he's going to complain. We haven't evaluated him this year or whatever, you know. Right, but uh, but I I like that. I do actually. You know. But then there's a part of me that goes, well, does that mean he does that for Skeletor to see how evil he is to make sure he can actually go <laughs> up against he man? He because like he, he's like, hey, hey. Starseed, this is good stuff. But right. then, you know, it's like a couple months later, it's like, how's he going to make Skeletor <laughs> more evil to go up against the He-Man that he already knows probably won't go over the line now? Yeah, that, so. yeah but I, I liked it. I liked it that there's that, that you know, and it, it hammers home what the Cosmic Enforcers were in this series. It's, it's they're the eternal checks and balances. Like, we can't yeah. have anybody too, too powerful. And they know that if He-Man were to turn evil... That that would tip the scales so greatly in the favor of the evil that the universe <laughs> could potentially be destroyed. Like for for those of you listening on podcast apps and not uh, the YouTube, uh, Matthew has pulled up the cover <laughs> of issue four of He Man and the Masters of the Multiverse to underline his point. Yes, <laughs> and that. that and that's it. And that's where. And we, next episode, guys, we're doing this one. So tune in. We're doing He Man the Masters yep. of Multiverse number four. And this is the reason we wanted to do it. Um, 
because it it shows it shows that uh, that if He Man were to turn evil, the scales would be too far. And so this yeah. whole filmation episode is built on that premise that we need, that Zodak is tasked with making sure that Adam is the right man for the job, that He Man is the force for good, and uh, it's something even uh, um, the DC comic. Uh, Fate is the Killer um, had a similar setup. Uh, that was another one where Zodak came and gave He-Man a prophecy, and it was kind of you know, kind of a test type thing. So this is a this is a recurring theme here as we go through, and I think mm-hmm. it underlines a point that you know, for all the flaws that this new DC ish series has, they have done some homework. They have done. You know, they do understand some of the mythos. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the one thing I felt was missing at the end here was uh, Sorceress kind of reacted, but He-Man was just kind of like, oh, a test, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, if I was He-Man in that case, I probably would have been a lot more pissed and probably grabbed Zodak and been like, dude, really? Like, right. you're putting you're putting the fate of an entire planet at stake, and even the, the, the cosmos, cosmos at stake. Mm-hmm. And, and this is your, I just needed to get your 90-day evaluation. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, like. There, there is. I almost feel like He Man always looks kindly upon most people yeah. in in filmation. I think there should have been an element of, oh, this, you know, like th- this would be his, you know, like I don't, I don't play that game. And he right. would have been like, you know, if I see you show up again, I automatically know you're doing something to screw with us more than you're trying to help yeah. us at this point. Just, you know, even, and, just a little bit of pushback, just a little bit, like, yes. why would you do that? You know, just. Just a little something. I think that would have put this episode just right over the top. Like, that's the only thing that yeah. was missing from this episode. Uh, like we said earlier, like in 2000X, when when Adam's kind of like, you know, like, this is a scene I would have liked to see with that with that Mike Young Productions teen Adam. Because he would have gone, he would have been like, you know, you, you did all this just to test me. Uh-huh. Like, um, well, I mean, kind of like in 2000X, when he finds out that Zodak willingly gave up his staff. To, to Cobra Kai and Ratlore and Evil Lynn to release King Hits. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the one part it was missing that I really wish... It didn't have to be a big... They didn't even have to go as far as to, like, if I see you here again, you know. But just a little bit of question, a little bit of, of anger, because that is... This, this is a big thing here. Um, yeah. But I know, I know they wanted to keep it, you know, friendly for the kids or whatever. But I think He-Man would be allowed to get a little angry here. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, this solid episode, uh, great characterization. Um, let me see here if there's anything else here I want to bring up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think we got about all of it. So closing thoughts on this one, Sean. I, I was, I, you heard me the other night. I was very impressed how much this one did it for me compared to what I was remembering it as. And, um, there, there is like, I like that this one is the one where it's like starting to dig into the mythos of the, you know, the center of the universe and the star seed concept and all that. So I really, I really think that's cool because that's why I love the Mike Young productions version is they set those things up and they're usually in play throughout. So this is one of those things that it's like this, Boom. This is what it is. Right. And, you know, I, I enjoy that quite a lot. And the whole idea 
He-Man looking at something and going, I could, I could eliminate everything that I have to fight against. I don't have to fight anymore. Mm-hmm. I can do it how I think w- it would work best for everybody. And that is chilling in a certain way because it's like he could have. Right. That's all he had to do was he had to just, you know, do it. And I really like that they put him to the test there. So, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, the little bits that we made fun of or that, that we pointed out to me way are, are way smaller than the overall goodness of the episode Absolutely. for me. No, yeah, like I said, my my nitpicks, I know I was nitpicking, but I just, I, I've never gotten to talk about that kind of stuff before, so, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's definitely a small portion, it's, it, I enjoyed the episode immensely last night, um, or yesterday when I watched, whenever, um, great story, great characterization, great pacing, um, yeah, I think, I think we've said about all of it, uh, like I said, the only thing, the only Honestly, I'm going to go a 9 out of 10 because the only thing bringing it down for me, and not even the Orko stuff, is just that that finale scene. It needed to just, uh, there needed to be just a little bit more on He-Man when, if they had just had a scene with He-Man calling uh, Zodak out on all his baloney, then it would have been a 10 for me. So, I, just slightly below, I'm going were, 9 out of 10. <laughs> I thought you were definitely going to say the drill. <laughs> no, like I said, I understand that. That's, drill logistics. that's just me. That's I'm not going to hold that against the. I'm not going to hold anything cartoony against the episode. Like yeah. I said, for me, okay. it's, it's right. the minor orconess and and that ending scene is just is just missing that little bit to make it a perfect episode. And honestly, if He Man had called out Zodek in that final scene, I would have ignored the orco and I would have given it a ten out of ten. Um, nice. But other than that, right. it's, it's a nine out of ten. It it was highly uh, enjoyable. I I think if I out of ten, I'll probably do an eight out of ten. I won't go nine mm-hmm. completely. There's there's still like it, it's either the Zodak moment at the end, like we talked about, or there's something about that, there needed to be like one more thing to push it over the edge with just like He Man going through the paces to get to the Star Seed or something, and, I, and the the whole switcheroo thing. It wasn't necessary, and the way it was done, that that did make me just, like you yeah. said, it made me roll my eyes and go, you're not going to feel that that's a rubber ball? Right. Like, really? <laughs> so, you know, there, there's that kind of stuff. And and I think the one other thing for me was there wasn't, like, other than the transformation, anytime they used the He-Man theme in this one, mm-hmm. it felt like it was not as epic feeling to me as other moments where yeah. it's like the race against time and there's these heroic moments. It's more, you know, like they kept that toned down in this one compared to the overall idea of what was happening. But the mythology elements for yes. me are just like, man, was that good stuff? That 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 gave me chills. Just going like, I love seeing the the beginnings of this mythology and filmation, and it moves into other stuff. And it's like, this is the world they're building. The 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 universe they're building. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, I didn't even think so. about the music there until you mentioned it. They, and they really didn't use it except for, I think, when he was smashing his way out of the rocks is the only time I remember yeah. being he, used. He did the little jump, and the rocks fell yeah. down, and they used a tiny little bit of the theme, and that was it. And I was like, man, for an episode where he's going the way he has to go to beat Skeletor, you'd think they'd give him a couple more fanfares here or there, and instead it's very... No, you got this. We don't need to turn it on for you. You're good. No, yeah, you'd, you'd really <laughs> so. think that that when he's turning, 
evil from the star seed and when he turns when he decides no i can't do this i need to be good you'd really think it would be played up in that like it'd, it'd be that kind of like in diamond ray where it's going dark and that's ominous, what i was thinking and then when he's yes. crushing the diamond ray it really like comes back up like uh yeah i didn't think about that yeah that would have been i'm surprised they didn't honestly that's odd i'm I'm figuring the only reason they didn't do that was because it did already happen in Diamond Ray because that would have been such a we're doing it again. The whole, yeah. you know, the thing he disappears. Oh, my God. You know, the whole he man, don't go away. And then, you know, it, like that was the moment as a kid where you're like, is this it? And then all of a sudden the theme song, you're like, this isn't it. But in this yeah. case, it wasn't nearly as visually as that right. in this case. So it was also like thirty-five episodes ago, if I'm reading this episode number correctly. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So these are just me throwing things at the no, wall yeah, to see no. what sticks in my logic on this stuff. <laughs> no, I I completely agree. That's you're not wrong. Now that you've said it, I can't I I, I can't unsee it. So. But there's something peanut butter and jelly to me of you have these heroic moments that should be playing somehow, especially with filmation. And there was a little bit of like a that was it right. at the end of the episode. We didn't get many of those moments. So, <laughs> All right. Well, if there's nothing else. Nope, I'm good. All right. So this is the time when I ask you all, please like, share, subscribe. Find us on Facebook at Legends of Grayskull. Find Sean's art over at October Sun Art. We have the links down below. Yeah. Um, I also want to put a little plug out there. Uh, Yuka Isaacanan, he just released a new video uh, this morning uh, where he's comparing the Mike Young Productions intro to the Filmation intro. Uh, go ahead and check it out. And while you're there, uh, look at the rest of his stuff. He's under Toon Yuka, which is J-U-K-K-A. Mm-hmm. Over on YouTube, he's got a wealth of information. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable guy and some great videos over there. Uh, I'm going to drop a link down below to him as well. Uh, check it out if you like. If you want to know more about all this stuff that we discuss. Uh, and I think that's it. I think I didn't mess yeah. it up this week. <laughs> and Yuka, he's he's really knowledgeable, especially if you're a 2000X yes. guy. He's 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 a wealth of information about that series and. Um, like I'm never going to go toe to toe with him. There's no way around it. I love 2000 X, but he loves it more. <laughs> so oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he's, he's definitely the guy. For he that. knows it all. So, all right. So thank you all for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, and until next time, until next time. <laughs>